Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. Zach Kelberman. Zach, the Denver Broncos. You know, we talked about this actually at length, if I'm not mistaken, on Monday Night Show. If it wasn't Monday, it was Sunday. The idea of using a second round pick or a premium round pick of any sort in a in a draft class in which you don't have a first round pick on a running back. And here we find out, guess who the Broncos are kicking the tires on? None other than James Cook. You had the report for us. Break it down. Yeah, well, by the draft, so by April 28th, he will he will have had a top 30 visit with the Broncos. Uh, half the league is, is uh, interested in James Cook. For good reason, he's the younger brother of Dalvin Cook, the Vikings star running back. Uh, he's about 190 pounds with 4.42 speed, a projected day two pick. I mean, he's not his brother, but he's a damn good running back on his own. I think he's going to make some team very happy. But once again, I posit, why would the Broncos spend a second round pick, 64 overall, let's say, on a running back? Uh, give me, and I'm still looking for it, one good argument why Cook should be the pick over an edge a safety, a cornerback, an inside linebacker, hell, even Trey McBride, a tight end. I just running back is the last position they would uh that I would address if I was George Payton, but they've brought in a couple running backs now, and it's only a matter of time before they take one, whether it's the fifth or the second. Now we know that James Cook is on their list. Let's take a look real quick at some of I mean in the case of George Payton, more often than not, where there's smoke, there's usually Fire. Now, what we're looking at here is Eric Trickle's Finding Broncos scouting report on James Cook. This published back in March. Uh, let's just take a look here. You you kind of laid out the measurables, but speed 442 at the combine. All right. He's, his vertical is 33. His broad jump 124. You know, not the most prolific of production, Zach, at Georgia in four years, but solid. If you look at his average, you're stoked on that. But then again, you can't get too carried away with yards per uh, carry metrics for college running backs, although take it a little bit more seriously when it is in the SEC. Uh, pros, reliable receiver. Um, let's see, no question about his long speed, so he's a home run threat in that sense. Elite patience, Zach. This is what, you know, if the Broncos were to take him, this is something that could play well for him in Denver with that zone blocking scheme. That and this one here has good vision to find the lane and burst to get through the hole quickly. But real quick, before I serve this back to you, what are some of the cons? Doesn't offer up much in, by way of red zone or between the tackles. Um, ability, poor contact balance. Can be passive in terms of his contact. 
uh, has to improve awareness, lacks physicality. So an instinctual, fast runner with good vision, good patience for his own blocking scheme, but he is not a Javante Williams that's going to bowl dudes over. But maybe that's a compliment. Maybe that's a peanut butter and jelly opposites that turn into something really tasty. So is Mike Boone, you know, for that matter. He, he can be the jelly to, pe- to uh, the peanut butter that Javante has. And just because he's patient doesn't mean he's worthy of the 64th overall pick. Or, you know, I think Scott put in the side chat 75 or 96 for Cook. I wouldn't take him there at either spot either. You have more, much more glaring needs to fill on offense and defense than taking a running back when you took one in the second round last year. Javante, he's already being, like, hailed as a uh, NFL rushing champion uh, contender. Among the heaviest hitters in the NFL, he's uh, you know betting on his rushing yards, what he's in a legal league in. He's a superstar waiting to happen. I think they're fine in the backfield. So if they want to take a running back, fine, but wait until round four, five, or six, my opinion. I think what this really indicates more than anything before people get too caught up in this is, again, the Broncos, I mean, you don't have to read the tea leaves to figure this out. Um Jeff Legwald of ESPN Denver, you know, he talked about it at length a week or two back in his article. But you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to divine that the Broncos realize that after Mike Boone, there's nothing. There's Demarie Crockett. You're not writing home about Demarie Crockett, who's yet to actually be a running back in an NFL regular season game, basically. So they're going to be looking. And George Payton, he's a due diligence type of guy. You know, he's that guy that if you went to college with George Payton or high school and you kind of scrimped on your homework, you know that George didn't. And you could maybe, you know, guilt trip him into letting you peek a little bit at what he's got. He's that guy always prepared the due diligence. It points to, if anything, Zach, not necessarily, hey, the Broncos, they're looking at these like round one, round two, round three. I mean, this kid, Cook, probably ends up going in round three, but, you know, doesn't mean they're going to draft one in round two or three, but they're getting a feel for the class and especially some of the better backs at the top of the class in the event that, Hey, you never know when guys are going to fall. It happens in the NFL draft. I mean, you only get 30 visits though on an official pre-draft junket and they're using cook for one of those visits. So if you don't plan on taking him in the second or third round, then it's a waste of a visit. And if you do plan on taking him in the second or third round, I question why. Why do you need a running back that early on? I understand the need. After Javante, you have Boone and pretty much nothing else. And even Boone is an unknown quantity. But wait until the later rounds. It's a devalued position in the NFL. They are a dime a dozen. This is going to be a pass-first offense with Russell Wilson and those weapons. Why would you use a premium pick on a run? It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe I'm a minority. The premium pick thing doesn't make much sense to me either. But guys... We got a lot to get to tonight. We are very excited to chat with Ed Keating for what will be his third MHH Super Chat Superstar appearance on the show. We're going to bring him on in just a moment. I want to shout out Dylan in the chat, moderating things for us. Good to see you, bro. Appreciate it. Listen to what he's telling you. Listen to what he's asking you. It's a request. Hit the like button. It's a small thing you guys can do, especially if you're on YouTube or Facebook, to help out myself, Zach, Scott, all the dudes here at Mile High Huddle, reach those Broncos fans like you, but they're out wandering the desert. They don't know this is out here. You like this video, it's going to help out. I got like you having hat problems. I got a big head is is my problem, Chad. I have a really big head and it's still too tight anyway. This is no surprise to anybody listening to the podcast right now. (laughs) Nope. Big head. hey, 
without further ado, let's bring on Ed Keating. Now, again, this isn't his first time on the on the Huddle Up podcast. Won't be his last. Ed, what is good, bro? How are you? What's going on, guys? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Very, very good. And those of you who are members of the MHH Superfan Group on Facebook, what is that? It's like 11,000 strong in that group right now. You know very well who Ed Keating is because he helps moderate over there for us as well. Does a lot in terms of his content and whatnot. But out of the gates, Ed, and by the way, guys, if you have any topics, questions you want us to get to, put it in the chat. We'll see the Super Chats first. But I want to get to this early one that Jason O'Neill had for us long before we even hit the old go live button. So Jason props to you for getting in the chat early. We really do want to reward you for that. He says, good evening, Broncos country. So I have a couple questions. Is there any validity to the criticism that Russell Wilson and the Broncos are receiving? Secondly, why pundits say Russ will not live up to the hype. So I think what he's getting at here is there are some out there saying with some skepticism, Ed, that Russell Wilson isn't going to live up to the hype. What say you to those folks? They're crazy. Uh, last year, I mean, Russell Wilson, you know, he, he had a hurt hand. He still, you know, played very well. I can't remember the exact uh, touchdown to interception ratio, but I know it was, you know, he had like, I think plus 30 touchdowns and only like four interceptions or something or six. I can't remember the exact number, but uh, I don't see that happening. I think, you know, uh, Wilson's going to be great this year. I think he's going to lead the Broncos to the playoffs. And, Talking about people that, you know, are sitting here saying, oh, Russ is a wash. You know, he ain't going to do nothing in Denver. I like to point to Nick Wright, which I like to call Nick wrong. He even said that Russell Wilson, oh, he's going to go to the Broncos and they're not going to be any better. I'm just, I, I had, I couldn't do nothing but laugh at that. And it's the same thing I do with all these other guys that say Russ is washed and he ain't going to do nothing in Denver. They're all idiots, honestly. I mean, you can use uh, wrong. I, I, idiots is the right term for me. Uh, Chad, so, uh, <laughs> and I want to ask you, what would you grade the Russell Wilson move? Uh, a plus. Yeah. Uh, especially after looking for a quarterback for what has it been the last six years, you know, and as most of you know, I was a big lock supporter, but I would trade lock any day to get Russell Wilson. Oh yeah. And twice on Sunday, maybe yeah. thrice oh, yeah. on Sunday. Um, were you at all uncomfortable Ed at the, veritable King's ransom that George Payton gave up to acquire Wilson. It was not a King's ransom. I honestly don't believe that was a King's ransom at all for someone like Wilson. Who's only, <clears throat> excuse me, 33 years old says he still wants to play, you know, I think like, what is it? 10 more years. <clears throat> and with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, these kinds of quarterbacks, you know, playing into like their mid forties, early forties, whatever it, it like, I think we gave up, not enough, honestly. I think Seattle, we, we stole from them. We robbed them, plain and simple. <laughs> what do you think, Zach? Two first-round picks, a former first-round pick. Steel. You, you think uh, – I mean – You gave up no foundational players at all. None of those guys were foundational players. Shelby Harris is not a foundational defensive player. You didn't give up three first-round picks. Uh, you still have a second. You still have two-thirds. I, I, I'm more on the side of they stole Wilson from Seattle and they gave up a King's ransom. But, Ed, real quick, I want to ask you – Non-Russell Wilson, what's been your favorite move that George Payton's made? Is it Gregory? Is it DJ Jones? Is it Kwan Williams? What, what's the guy that you're excited about not named Russell? Um, that's a good question. I haven't really gave that much thought because with the Russ thing, I just that that's all I cared about. But if I had to pick, I probably say, yeah, probably Randy Gregory. I mean, now that Vaughn's not there, you know, you really didn't have anybody behind Chubb. 
and we don't even know what Chubb is, you know, at this point still. I mean, he could still, I hate to say it, use the word bust, but who knows? I don't think he will. Hopefully he can stay healthy this year and play up to his potential, but I think the Gregory thing was the best one. Think about this. You brought this up, Ed, the stats from Russ last year, by the way, his touchdown to interception ratio in 14 starts because of that injury you referenced was 25 tutties to only six interceptions. He's always been very, very stingy when it comes to giving up the picks. And even Peyton Manning, when Russell Wilson tied his all-time single-season rookie touchdown record back in 2012, Peyton tipped his hat to him and said, well, you know, hey, he might have tied me, whatever, that's great, but he's probably better than me because I threw also 26 picks as a rookie or whatever it was, most all-time for a rookie or whatever. Uh, He only threw 10. Very stingy with uh, giving the ball to opponents, which is freaking phenomenal. I love seeing that. Uh, What are your thoughts on Cortland Sutton yesterday? Talking about how there's a, there's a new mindset that the expectations are completely different. It feels like, you know, he wasn't here when Peyton came back in 2012, obviously, but he says talking to people around the building who were, and there's only, let's see, there was nobody left Zach on the roster who was here when Peyton came. Now, Brandon McManus played with Peyton later, you know, two years, he came in 2014. So that was year three for Peyton in Denver. But there are no more players because Vaughn's gone that were here when Peyton arrived. So when Cortland's talking to people about what it was like when Peyton came here, he's talking about staffers. He's talking about executives and people in the building that were here saying that uh, the expectations, that's a new energy and it's been elevated. Your thoughts? Well, um, he's right. I mean, since he's been in Denver, since he's been drafted, have we had like, uh, you know, Great slash Hall of Fame quarterback under center? No, we have not. I think that feeling and ability is mutual with everybody. Like, you got a sure-fired Hall of Famer, a Super Bowl winner, and Russell Wilson to be your quarterback. That's a big step from the likes of Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Brock Osweiler, Drew Locke. I mean, you can f- like even just watching the videos, you can feel the energy in the videos. You can see it with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. Uh I think Cortland Sutton knows what everybody believes is that this is a playoff caliber team. And with Russell Wilson, that's going to put them over the top and get them into the playoffs and make the Super Bowl possibly, if not then a deep playoff run, at least this year. After that, who knows? We could possibly win two, three Super Bowls. Who knows? I know that's being a little, you know, optimistic and crazy, but that's just the way I feel about it. I don't think so. Real quick, guys, Zach, I know you got one. We'll, we, one more each for Ed, and we'll send him on his way for tonight. But Tommy's bringing up in the chat here, uh, who also got in early. Thank you, Tommy. What do you guys think of Derek Carr's contract extension? Then he says, with Renfro, Waller, and Jacobs under contract, uh, on contract years, pardon me, it's likely two, if not three of these guys are not in Las Vegas's future. And yes, Eric, brother Ed is speaking facts. But in case you guys missed it, uh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders just gave Derek Carr a three-year, $121.5 million contract extension. Zach, I'll start with you, and then we'll get some insight from Ed. What were your, what was your reaction to this, and was it surprising considering that Josh McDaniels 
doing things a little bit different this time. He's not trading the franchise quarterback away upon his arrival this time. No, McDaniels took the job in Vegas because he liked Derek Carr so much. So I'm not surprised that they signed Derek Carr. And he, I think he was entering a contract year. You never want a lame duck quarterback. But people were freaking out when they signed or when he signed because they saw the numbers. I think it's 45 a year. But when you, as always, when you break the deal down and look at the numbers beyond just the surface level, it's a pretty good deal for Las Vegas. They can get out of it, I think, next year, only paying, I think, $23 million guaranteed. It's a good show of faith in your quarterback. I think they're paying Derek Carr market value. My number one thought, though, is something we talked about a few days ago. The Broncos would be wise to pay Russ sooner and not later because these contracts will keep going up and up and up and up. A few years ago, no quarterback was in the $40 million club. Patrick Mahomes was the first. Now there's five quarterbacks there, the likes of Derek Carr and Dak Prescott. Russell Wilson deserves to be among those ranks but it's going to keep going up and up and up. They can't let that market balloon. So it should be a, a sign to the Broncos. Listen, let's try to get this done now and not wait before we have to pay him 50 a year. After all, Ed, has Derek Carr won a playoff game in his career? The answer is no. Um. Well, me personally, like, honestly, I really, I mean, I'm happy for Derek Carr, but it really does nothing for me. And I mean, like, what'd you say, Zach? I think it was like $45 million a year over three years or something like that, and they can get out of it. But that's sure a lot of money to pay for a quarterback that, you know, was going to be fourth place in the division this year. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I'm happy for the Raiders, but I think Josh McDaniels is going to Josh McDaniel it up this year again. He's going to do the same thing to the Raiders as he did to, you know, the Broncos so long ago. I can tell you my dad, being a Raiders fan, he was excited about it, and I'm just like, okay, that's cool. You had the fourth best quarterback in the division. Have fun with that. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Eric Figueroa is saying it's 41.5. I, I thought it was 45, but regardless, he's in the $40 million club. I think Derek Carr is super underrated. I agree with you, Ed. I think he's the fourth best quarterback now in the West, but I've, I've always felt he's been an underrated quarterback. So I'm with you. I'm happy that he got paid for himself. But when you have McDaniels and the likes of Tom McMahon running the show in Vegas, it's going to not amount to much. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, shout out to Tabitha. Thank you so much. Props and applause. Tabitha. Thank you for those stars. Really appreciate it. Uh, Ed, last one, just in case. I mean, I'm, I know we'll have you on the show again in the future, but just in case it's not before the season starts, give us your prediction for the 2022 Russell Wilson led Denver Broncos. I know a lot of people are probably going to be like, well, you're just being crazy and you're, you know, you're speaking, you know, from, you know, craziness, but I think they're going to go probably 14 and I think it's 14 and three. Now I think would be the record. That's what mm -hmm. I think. going to win the division. I think the chargers are going to come in second. The Raiders are third. And I think the chiefs are going to come in last. <laughs> wow. Bold. By the way, damn the NFL for making us have to redo this math in our heads that we all have been so used to for 30 plus years on the 16 game schedule. But Ed Keating, bro, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for everything you do, supporting the show, throwing down, helping out as a moderator in our Facebook group. Tell everybody how to connect with you on Twitter. Hey, connect with me at uh, Ed Keating at twitter.com. I don't know exactly. I haven't been on there in a while. Hey, let me help you out. Let me help you out. It is. Ed Keating, pardon me, at Edward Keating 15, at Edward Keating, that's K-E-A-T-I-N-G 15 on Twitter. Connect with him. He's a lot of fun to uh, chop it up, as you can tell, about all things Broncos and NFL. 
Ed, you the man. Give our best to the family, and we will talk to you soon, big dog. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, right, Ed. bro. Peace out. Ed Keating, there he goes. We love him. We appreciate him. Very, uh, very loyal, very diligent. Um, got nothing but props for good old Ed Keating. Old in the sense that he's been with us now a long time. We love him. We appreciate him. Cody Dub in the house. I feel, uh, thank you for the super, by the way, Cody. I feel one of the bigger impacts besides Russ is one that we already have. That's Patrick Sertan. Isn't a rookie anymore. I feel a huge upside with him this year. Hey, R Richard Sherman says his tape that he put down as a rookie is quote unquote teach tape. So what do you think, Zach? I think he's an all pro in 2022. He's a, we talked about foundational players a few moments ago in, in the Russell Wilson trade, Shelby, not a, def not a defensive foundational player. PS2 is a guy you build around. PS2 is a 10 year superstar a la Champ Bailey. I could, other than Russell Wilson, he is the player I'm most excited about in the Broncos uniform in 2022. Passing I think. Him, Simmons, maybe Chubb, maybe Gregory um, are non-offensive guys who you're going to see their star burn very, very bright because of Russell Wilson's arrival. And you think, well, wait a minute, they're on defense. Well, when your team's winning ball games and you're in the national perspective and all the talk shows, ESPN, you know, Good Morning Football, NFL, all that, they're talking about you because your team is a factor they're seeing your highlights all the time. Those are the guys that suddenly go from should have made the Pro Bowl to Pro Bowl All-Pro. It's going to be really cool. I would be absolutely flabbergasted and stunned if Pat Sertan does not earn one of those two accolades I just mentioned this coming year, health willing. But Zach, I got to tell you, dude, this Derek Carr deal does make me, it gives me a little bit of, I don't know, misgivings. Here's why. I don't care about the money or anything like that. The deal itself, who cares? It's that, is this a sign Josh McDaniels really does realize where he screwed up in his first go-around as a head coach? Like, if this is a sign that he's turned over a new leaf, that maybe that humiliating fashion in which he was dismissed by the late, great Pat Bolin maybe kind of triggered some sort of a, um, well dark night of the soul where he had to really search and kind of figure out who he is, what he is. Cause when you saw him bounce back into the familiar bosom of the Patriots, dude, I mean that first three Super Bowls they won before uh, Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator. Those were great teams. You know, that was a dynastic uh, run, but the production from Tom Brady and the production that team put in the rafters at Foxborough in terms of the world championships, really amped up a notch when Josh came back and teamed up again with Tom Brady. Is this, am I, am I taking it to too far of a logical extreme here? I don't know that we'll know uh, if he turned over a new leaf until the game start. And that's when crunch time really happens and decisions are made on the fly and his coaching and game playing and play calling. It's a lot to take on. It's easy to pay a franchise level quarterback. It's hard to execute with that quarterback week in and week out. But he doesn't have sole control in Las Vegas. There's also Dave Ziegler as the GM, former Patriots buddy. I'm sure he was in on the Derek Carr decision as well. I think you know you can't let a quarterback of his stature, top 12 guy, let's say in Carr, be a lame duck. So it's not surprising they paid him. I don't think it's a sign that McDaniels is going to wise up. But even if he does, Chad, I'm confident the Broncos have a better head coach. I'm confident the Broncos have a better roster. And even if McDaniels is a better head coach the second time around, I think the Broncos can take him down twice this coming season. 
I mean, it really was just the stupidest thing you could possibly imagine doing for a first time. What was he at the time? 32 year old, pardon me, head coach to come take the reins of one of the most storied franchises in league history who was fairly certain at this point they had a franchise quarterback. They had a few, uh, a quarterback of the future and Jay Cutler who had made a pro bowl in year three. Remember his first year, he ends up taking over for Jake uh, Plummer down the stretch. Uh, Broncos were in position to make the playoffs in 06. Jay Cutler comes in, rookie, typical rookie stuff. They end up backing out, missing the playoffs. 07, you can't really go too deep into on Jay Cutler because that's the year he lost all that weight, had no energy. They didn't know what was wrong with him until finally they figured out, oh, wait a minute, this dude's diabetic. And then they got him what he needed, insulin, got his treatment going, and he put the weight back on, became big old Jay in time for 2008 where he blew the doors down. Now, that was 2008 numbers, Zach. We're not, you know, no one really bats an eye too much at 3,800 yards and 25, 26 touchdowns nowadays. But in 08, you know, that far back, that was a significant uh, body of work. McDaniels comes in and goes, the best thing to do is trade Jay Cutler because I can then get a couple of extra first round picks and Kyle Orton. And that's going to put me stand me in better stead than I would have been with a fighting chance out of the gates with a strong arm, Jay Cutler athlete, just chomping at the bit, starting his NFL career. So asinine, but I think dude, he, you know, he is a smart dude. We laugh about Josh McDaniels because of some of the dumb things and the things we've heard and all that, but he's a smart guy. There's a reason Bill Belichick kept him around. There's a reason Tom Brady loved working with him. So I, I don't think fans should completely dismiss McDaniels in Vegas. There's also a ton of pressure on him now. I mean, his second NFL go-round, he's in a huge media market in Vegas, a team that was marred by a lot of controversy last year. You made the huge trade for Devontae Adams. You made a big acquisition of Chandler Jones. If you don't win, especially out of the gates, he's going to be feeling that pressure. So we'll see what Josh McDaniels is made of as the season goes along. But again, even if he's a good head coach, I think the Broncos will be better. I like Hackett a lot more than I'll ever like McDaniels. By the way, Scott, correct me, 4,500 yards in Cutler's Pro Bowl year in 2008. By the way, Tom, really appreciate you. Thank you, buddy. Uh, the Duchess jumping in as well. Thank you, Michaela. She says, pay Russ now. That's what we're saying. I don't think you'll see it, though, until after the draft. It'll happen sometime, I think. Little birdies and things I'm, I've heard whispering between May and the regular season opener. Yeah, just uh, I don't want the Broncos to approach – Deshaun Watson money, you know, or even uh, Aaron Rodgers money with Russell, because that's going to be an impediment, I think, eventually on their salary cap. He's underpaid right now, quote unquote, at 35, but I think moving him into the $40 million club is fait accompli. It's going to happen, guys. And the Broncos, it'd be wise to get it done sooner and not later, because the Lamar Jackson contract is the next one to drop. And boy, that's going to be a big one. Agreed. Yeah, not bad for a running back when he uh, deposits that signing bonus check. Uh, big Kid Rook jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you for the super chat. He says, woohoo, watch what you say about Drew Locke. He is going to thrive in Seattle. Much love, Zach. Hey, we don't – dude, you're talking to two of the guys that probably had the most optimistic outlook on Drew Locke. Um, I think that if they end up rolling with Drew as their kind of presumptive guy, which – there's no way to guarantee that at this point. I mean, they have a grip of draft picks because of the rust trade. 
and it wouldn't surprise me to see them go, you know, go after a Malik Willis or something, somebody like that. But if they do turn to Drew Locke in 2022, Zach, what are your expectations for him? I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to acquire Baker Mayfield either during or after the draft, and that's going to be their starting quarterback with Locke, the backup, or Geno Smith. He's not going to get a shake in Seattle. He just has this terrible tag attached to him, and, and some of that is of his own doing. Uh, some of it is not. Some of it is the outside influences, the coaching he's had, or lack thereof, uh, just the environment he's been in, and also the national media, which clowns on Drew Locke every single chance they get. And Seattle is aware of that. Pete Carroll knows that. I don't think that's their guy. He was a throw-in as far as I'm concerned in that trade. But I wish Drew well. I really do. I hope he eventually gets a shot. I think he still can be uh, something in the NFL. I don't know about a long-term starter, but I think he, he can hold his own. We'll see how it shakes out. But not our problem anymore. That's the By the way, thing. on the subject of Baker Mayfield, which I am, I can't wait to see how that situation resolves. My brother, Derek, shout out. He's like, no, dude, I think Cleveland's going to hold on to him in the event that because they, they're anticipating a Watson suspension. It's not going to be a season long, but, you know, two to four game suspension. And no so they're going to hold on to Baker He's Mayfield. Done. That's what I said. I'm like, no, dude, you can't, you know, too many cooks ruin the broth. You can't have that number of alphas in the quarterback room. It's just going to split the, the locker room right down the middle. Here's what Mayfield said, by the way, Zach. He spoke recently to um, – on the Yaniva, Yaniva No podcast, uh, quote, I feel disrespected 100% because I was told one thing and they completely did another. That's what I'm in the middle of right now. I got my taste of it because I've had four different head coaches in four years, a bunch of different coordinators. I don't like this. This sounds like excuse making to me. Talk about the highs, Baker says. They always come back. They always come back. But I've had great times. Uh, my rookie year, I didn't start in the beginning. Remember Terod Taylor? I came in, got to have fun in the back half of the year. Beat the Broncos, by the way, in the back half of the year. 2019 sucked. 2020 was great. Made the playoffs. 21 was miserable. Close quote. I could see him landing in a place, a quarterback suddenly, maybe not quarterback desperate, because I do have a little bit more of a positive, you know, evaluation of Drew Locke, but needy, certainly. I mean, unless the Seahawks really want to roll the dice on blowing it up and, and starting over. Cause Drew Locke, he does have a fair number of starts NFL starts under his belt, but he was so talk about maybe I'm now making excuses for Drew Locke, but he was so mismanaged by the Broncos coaching staff that I view him more as like a year two caliber kind of guy in terms of the experience and just kind of the wherewithal between the years, not to discount him and say like, he that's not a knock on his football IQ or whatever, but he just, didn't have what he needed, in my opinion, from a coaching perspective. He had a good supporting cast, but he didn't have what he needed from a coaching perspective. Baker's kind of the opposite. I mean, he had tremendous coaching with Kevin Stefanski. It might not have been a great fit, but that's still a really good play caller, really good offensive mind. He had a, a lead offensive line. He had great weapons, two really good running backs. I know he battled injuries last year, Baker Mayfield, but his play has fallen off from what it was a couple years ago. I still think he could be something, but too much baggage. And if Cleveland was smart, they would trade him before the draft because teams that need quarterbacks, if they take a quarterback in the draft, they're not going to trade the same capital for Baker Mayfield. I think that deal gets done before the 28th. I don't know, man. See, I know you have a pretty high opinion of, of Stefanski. I don't. This is the same guy, for what it's worth, that was so good at his job that Mike Zimmer felt like he needed Gary Kubiak to come in and, like, senior assist help him and then actually promoted him to offensive coordinator west coast guy for sure but 
All I'm saying is I don't really have an opinion on Stefanski because there's not enough of a sample size as a head coach, I think, to really like get too too far out on him. I just he needs a little bit more time to marinate before I could say he's he got great coaching. That's that third year Baker mentioned his 2021 campaign uh, campaign. Dude, the Browns were a force to be reckoned with, dude. They were freaking legit that year. And then they made a bunch of changes and I don't know. The Browns just can't get out of their own way. All I know is Kevin Stefanski beat the Broncos in primetime with Case Keenum at quarterback and D. Ernst <laughs> Johnson true. at running back. He didn't have Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb. So that's a great coaching job. And who did he beat, Chad? The defensive mastermind himself, Vic Fangio. I, I agree that Stefanski still has uh, some to prove and uh, big pressure cooker situation with Deshaun Watson whenever he does play. But I think he's a pretty talented offensive coach. Uh, speaking of defensive masterminds, and then we'll grab Jeremy here. Wade Phillips returning to the head coaching ranks. What is this? What, in the XFL? Yep. I think for Houston, the Houston franchise. So shouts to Wade, who follows me on Twitter. If you're watching, I appreciate you waiting. Congratulations, man. The, the game of football, whether it's XFL, NFL, is better with the son of bum involved. Big fan. Big fan of Wade Phillips. Much love. All right, Jeremy, what's up, brother? Thank you for being with us. The stars, you to man. He says, I'm excited to see the full uh, see the fullback position back in Denver. Imagine a Andy Janovich type out in front of Javante Williams. Well, do we really have a Jano type? I don't think so. Andrew Beck, he's more of a tight end that they they decided to, you know, kind of split train, cross train as a fullback. But the spirit of what you say, I'm right there with you. You know, you're you're going to have a Kyle Johnson type. You're going to have a Jano type. You're going to have a, a Howard Griffith type lead block in, in his own scheme. It's going to be fun to see. I think Javante is his own fullback. He's, he's <laughs> true. freaking powerful, yeah. man. He runs over everyone on his own. So, yeah, I don't think that position's ever coming back to the NFL. It's like the, the way of the dodo bird right now. But like Chad mentioned, they do have Beck who can operate at two positions, so you're saving one roster spot at fullback and tight end. So we'll see how they use him. Robot of Doom on Twitch. I don't know what you're talking about. He says, Evening Kings of MHH. I've got sad news. My speed run attempt of a game got rejected equals, but the sadness becomes happiness when I saw you boys went live. Well, I'm just glad you're happy now, dude, but I have no freaking clue what you're talking about. I think it means when you try to beat a game as fast as you can, a speed run. Okay, Messi. I'm not big I, into the gamer world, but dude, I my gamer days ended with you know, like Super Mario Brothers, dude. Like, <laughs> um, I just not in that arena. But thanks for being with us, robot. Tom, again, what up, bro? While bringing up PS2, imagine if we had a pass rush last year, and he didn't have to cover for over five to seven seconds per play, a la Trevon Diggs in Dallas. Good point. Broncos had no pass rush last year, man. It was brutal. There was a couple games in the first quarter of the season they did when Vaughn was kind of in the zone. But as soon as he was gone, dude, Bradley Chubb came back and just was chugging, huffing and puffing, zero sacks. Malik Reed came in, you know, his typical – when Malik Reed gets to the quarterback, it's because Patrick Sertan and his crew did their job on the back end, their coverage sacks, their cleanup sacks. Shelby Harris, your five-tech defensive end, led the team in sacks. Eight. Seven or eight. It was either seven or eight. Either way. Um, so, yes, let's hope that the pass rush, especially on the edge, is back this year. And I'm inclined to be hopeful that it is, Zach, because, again, first time since his rookie year that Chubb 
enters the offseason completely healthy. No surgery he's getting over, no um, you know, injury from the year past that you're kind of, well, let's kind of ease him back in. Nope, it's full-on Bradley Chubb, and he's got a great counterpart, hopefully, in Randy Gregory. Yeah, fingers crossed he stays that way, Bradley. I'd like to see him ball out in his fifth year, but I don't know how much uh, Cowboys games you watch, Tom. I had to watch them, unfortunately, last year. He didn't have to cover Diggs for all that long. When you have Micah Parsons and Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, that pass rush was fierce, and Diggs led the NFL in picks, I'm pretty sure. I think he had, what, 11? So he he's going to be in for a major. The only the thing I agree with with the, the comparison you're making is that Patrick Sertan is going to make that sophomore jump from kind of relative unknown to star household name. That's what Trevon Diggs is now in Dallas. That's what Patrick Sertan will be in Denver and going forward. He's going to thrive, man, under Evero. By the way, Scott, six sacks for Shelby. That led the team. Six sacks led the team. Defensive guru. Ed Keating jumping in with a super chat after his appearance on the show. Thanks, you, Thank you uh, my friend. We really appreciate that. Seriously, you the man. And yes, go Broncos. We love it. Uh, Andrew Baker, what's good, bro? And how could I forget the date, dude? Andrew will be on the show <clears throat> May 4th for you Star Wars geeks out there. Right now, Zach and probably even Scott are going, what does that have to do with Star Wars May the 4th? Be with you. Huh? May the 4th be with you, Scott. Now you know what I'm talking about. Uh, So we look forward to that, Andrew. He says, great job, Ed. What's up, fam? But with the AFC West QB talk, who is hungrier? It's got to be Russell Wilson. I think Russ definitely has the most to prove, and I think he has the most momentum. You know, the Chiefs feel like they're they're going to take a little bit of a step back. I'm not getting too bold in trying to say, like, Ed, dude, Chiefs are going to be last in the AFC West. That ain't going to happen unless Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. But I do think they're fixing to uh, descend for a spell anyway. And Russell Wilson, dude, this, the Broncos, are they've just been so ready to win. They just needed that quarterback play, that quarterback leadership. Uh, if you listen to what Cortland Sutton was saying about how Wilson's knowledge of the game is so at a next level and that it comes so easy to him, and what his mission is right now, Zach, is to get everyone around him, his skill guys and everything, as knowledgeable as he is so that they're all on the same page and they can play fast. Like that's the focus right now. I think Russ has something big coming for the NFL this year. It's going to be fun. Uh, I associate hungry with something to prove. And if you break it down by quarterback in the West, I don't think Herbert has much to prove. He's pretty much established and on the ascension. Derek Carr just got paid. So I don't see him having to prove much or be that hungry. It comes down to me, Russ, we all know he, he's coming off uh, injury March season in Seattle. They shipped him out. He's going to want to you know rebound with a new franchise. But also Mahomes. I mean, this is a guy who people were penciling in to be another Super Bowl quarterback last year, and they lost in the title game to the Bengals. And yep. they lost mostly because of Patrick Mahomes. He turned yep. the ball over way too much. So it's going to come down to those two quarterbacks, but I'm going to give the edge to Russell Wilson, changing teams for the first time in his career, playing in a new conference. He's going to be cooking with fire. Now, Ed's no longer on the show. <clears throat> Pardon me. But this is a fun question, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it from our great friend, supporter, superstar, Albert Knoppers. What is your favorite snack to eat? when the Broncos make the playoffs for the Super Bowl. So let's say, Zach, Broncos are in the Super Bowl. 
What's the snack? What's the go-to snack at Casa Kelvin? Uh, oh, man. I'm going full Jameis Winston. I'm eating W's on Sundays <laughs> when the Broncos make the playoffs. Give me all the W's. Yeah, no, baby. That's, 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 my, that's my figurative answer. Literally, what snack will I eat when the Broncos make the playoffs? I'm not going to eat so much as I will pop the bubbly, I think, after six years of just the worst doldrums in Broncos history. So that's my cop-out answer. A lot of adult beverages. One of the things I like to make for moments like that or, you know, even just for Sunday football is um, take some green beans, blanch them, uh, then take some bacon, cook it on the uh, griddle just for, you know, 15 seconds each side. Then you wrap the bacon around a little bunch of the green beans, throw stick a freaking toothpick through the middle, put them in the oven on 350 for, you know, 25, 30 minutes. Bomb, bomb. Seven two seven mil. What's good, bro? Thank you, Zach. You're hungry now. I got you. Oh, a little bit. No, I was thinking of Chad when you were talking. We had those fire jalapeno poppers at the uh, the tailgate in Denver last mm-hmm. year. I was just thinking of those real quick. Now I'm hungry. Uh, mil says, "What's up, Chad and Zach? Just curious why we never tried Dalton Reisner at right tackle. He was a tackle in college. Yes, he was, and he was a very prolific, uh, productive right tackle at Kansas State." Uh, I'm trying to think, was it the final two years he played in college, started every game at right tackle, relinquished exactly zero sacks. Why they don't like him and never thought of him as an outside guy, I don't know. I mean, we can pull up the measurables. Like Nick could probably recite Dalton Reisner. Here, let's see, Dalton Reisner mock draftable. I was going to say um, arm length. Arm arm length. He could probably, I was going to say Nick, recite it. Um, verbatim off out of you know pure memory here but Dalton Reisner on mock draftable let me show you this real quick 727 mil this might clear a few things up I still think that it, it's a little bit over emphasized because if it's an athlete and if it's a guy that's smart and just good um, you can that can overcome some of the size or measurable limitations but Dalton Reisner okay if you look at his um, arm length let's see 34 inches, but Scott, isn't that 33? Isn't 33 the benchmark? I mean, yeah, dude, 34 is long, right? It's not his arms. I don't know why. I don't know why. I've, if you guys can recall last year about this time, Zach, as we were wondering, hey, they're not bringing back, um, who was the buck that they brought in at right tackle? Dot, uh, Dotson. They're not bringing him back, Demar Dotson. What are they doing at right tackle? I was standing on this podcast saying, try Dalton Reisner because year two for him, you know, the year prior 2020, he didn't take that step forward. He wasn't as, he was even worse in 21, but 20, it was more of a, he was so good as a rookie, but didn't take that step forward in year two. I'm like, try him at right tackle where he dominated at the collegiate level. I don't know why they don't think that way, but they don't. Well, I know when, when he was drafted in 2019, they had their right tackle. They thought in Juwan James, and they had Garrett Bowles at left tackle, so they were good there. My answer to this question is, what are you going to do at left guard? Who's going to play there? You're you're solving one position and creating a hole at another. So it's, it's past time they take a pure tackle at right tackle, like this year, a premium pick, and stock that cupboard. Don't get by on the Tom Comptons of the world, DeMar Dotson, Bobby Massey, Menelik Watson, Donald Stevenson, and Jared Valdir, on and on and on. It is time to get that blue-chip right tackle, leave Reisner at guard where I think he's better suited, and field your best five. 
Scott says he just doesn't move well enough. 5'3 in the 40, 28.5 inch vertical. He lacks the agility to be that dancing bear out on the perimeter. Well, maybe, maybe, but he was pretty damn good at it in college. And I get it, Kansas State, you know, we're not talking about SEC every single day for Dalton Reisner, but uh, Kenny, what's good, brother? KB82 in the house. Thank you for the super chat support, my friend. Hope you're doing well. He says, should we re-sign Russ now before it gets way expensive, especially after the car deal? You know, we touched on this a few minutes back, FYI, but the short answer, Kenny, is yes. Just like you should be filling up your gas tank as often as you can as prices kind of continue to rise, it's the same principle. Getting paid now because if you wait till next year, it's going to be, what, Zach, 10 to 15% more expensive probably to pay him next year, so just do it now. If they wait, you know, I think he's going to get about 45 when he does sign. It's it's market value. It might be seem like a lot of money, but that's what a quarterback draws in the NFL. But if you wait a year, 45 will seem like what 35 is now. You're going to have to pay him probably 50 or 55. So the longer they wait, the more expensive Russell Wilson will get. I look for that deal, hopefully to get done by the time the season starts. Uh, Kendrick Ware, a newer name. Welcome. Thank you, buddy. Uh, he says, glad to be a part of the MHH fam. Been following my man Zach for a while. Happy days are here again. However, not understanding why we're getting so much traction on drafting <laughs> a running back so high. Uh, Kendrick, I appreciate you, man. I don't know if you go back to the 24-7 days, but I do appreciate you following along on this journey. And yeah, the happy days are here again after a lot of dark and dreary days. I don't understand at all the fascination with taking a running back and going BPA for the sake of taking BPA. I, I, I got into this little heated debate with uh, King Rook, I think his name is, in the comments. And my, the ideal scenario is when BPA intersects with need. That's the ideal draft scenario. So if Brees Hall is the top player on the Broncos board, I wouldn't take him just for that sole reason. You don't need another running back that high. Give me one reason besides replacing Melvin Gordon that they would take a running back at 64. I have an open invitation. One legitimate reason why. There is none. Kendrick, appreciate you, big dog. Uh, String guy. Hey, string guy. Reminds me of that movie, uh, Free Guy, if you've seen that. Uh, was it Netflix, I think it came out? I don't know. Ryan Reynolds, my kids were into it because it's like video game-ish. Denver needs a second quality running back, a Melvin Gordon type. James Cook would be a great fit. Hashtag fresh legs. I agree he would be a good fit, but at what what cost? And what are you giving up in terms of what you already have on the field with Mike Boone, right? So... I know the Broncos are going to add some running back depth, guys. Like, it's going to happen. What Zach and I are debating here, kind of in a very um, rhetorical sense, is when? is it gonna, Are they going to use a second or third round pick? Or are they going to go day three slash college free agent pool? Because you can afford to get away with that because of the two guys you have at the top of the depth chart. I agree with the Broncos in that they've got nothing past Mike Boone. True. And it's a highly attrition, victim of attrition position in the NFL. You got to get some depth there. But because it's like when you have Peyton Manning, you don't need to go spend second and third round picks on quarterbacks. When you have Russell Wilson, same thing applies. When you have Javante and a Mike Boone, who might still be a little bit unproven, Boone, you don't need to spend a second, third round pick on a running back. 
Uh, by the way, I just looked this up. Philip Lindsay, as we all know, was an undrafted free agent. So was Mike Boone. You you can find running backs at any time, even after the draft. Or and CJ. I, and I exactly. And I see Kenny here saying James Cook in the fourth. Listen, if they want to wait till the fourth and take Cook, if he's still there, I'm pounding the table all day long. That's a value pick at that spot. But why, when Billy Turner is going to start at right tackle or, or Alex Singleton, an inside linebacker, why would you want to take a running back there when you have Javante and so many other mouths to feed already on offense? It's not practical. The Bugmeister in the house. Thank you. Very generous super chat, my friend. Appreciate that very much. He says, what's up, big guys? Glad I caught you live tonight. I hope Bradley Chubb shuts everyone up this year. I'm really rooting for him this year. Can't wait to be there for the home opener. Hashtag MHH. That's dope, dude. Well, we're going to be in Denver for a lot of that stuff, hosting in Denver for you guys. So it's going to be fun. Um, The subject of Bradley Chubb, though, Zach, what are you expecting from him this time? I mean, I've I've come to the realization with Bradley Chubb, by and large, that you don't really know what to expect from him. But if I try to put on an optimistic kind of lens here, the one year he did go into the offseason fully healthy, what did he do? Produced 12 sacks for the Broncos. Sadly, for being realistic, I'm expecting Chubb to miss at least one game. You know, I, I just going on his history, he has to prove he can stay healthy, but I'm assuming he's going to be nicked up here and there and just miss a game or so. But all things being equal, he plays 17 regular season games. I'm thinking eight or nine sacks for Bradley Chubb. And and that's really good as a bookend to Randy Gregory. And when you have players like Draymond and DJ Jones and other players on defense that are beginning sacks and creating turnovers, I think they would take that from Bradley. He also has to help out and run defense. I know setting the edge for him was a little troublesome early in his career. I want to see if he can do that moving on the ankle in space. He has a lot to prove, but what other motivation does he need? fifth-year option, playing for a new contract in Denver or elsewhere. He's been labeled as a bust. If he doesn't produce this year, crap or get off the pot, I mean, what could you really say about him? Well, again, just to be optimistic, the one year that he did go into the season healthy, he did appear in and start all 16 games. One pass tipped, two forced fumbles. He recovered a fumble, 12 sacks, and then he threw down also uh, 14 tackles for a loss, 21 quarterback hits and 41 solo tackles and then of course he was uh he earned 3 AP defensive rookie of the year votes wasn't that Zach the year um James the safety in LA wasn't that his rookie year Derwin ba- basically Derwin James he was so dynamic that and i think the chargers might have had a little bit of success that year now i'm now i'm questioning myself I thought he was, was 17 I, I might be wrong though let's see defensive rookie NFL 2018. Let's see real quick. Oh, that's right. It was Darius Leonard who put threw down like 250 freaking tackles or something like that. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, it was hard. And he had so many game-changing type plays too that year as a rookie that it was hard to for Chubb. Even though Chubb joined an elite group of NFL players, I mean, talking about you can count them barely on two hands of rookies who produced 12 or more sacks in year one, I mean, he was only two and a half away from the all-time rookie record. Darren, what's good, bro? Thank you for that super sticker. You are a prince. And then he goes on to say, go Russ, a Kansas City Broncos fan in the heart of enemy territory. Thanks, buddy. Cottonmouth78, what's good, bro? Awesome to see you. By the way, we're at 51 minutes. Uh, we got to wind her down here shortly. He says, have a great night. 
we shall. Hope you do as well, my friend. And as you see, guys, fail on Facebook, trying to get 250,000 stars in the month of April for the raffle, the jersey. We're only at 17%. Like we're we're narrowing, uh, we're edging down closely here on 50% of the way into the month, sitting here at April 13th. So slow start. We can still hit the goal, but when we do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna still maintain that that confident optimistic expectation we will raffle off a jersey of the bronc of the of the broncos jersey of the winners choosing and only people in the running are those who contribute to the goal like phil who says guys i was reading that purcell mike purcell defensive tackle could get released this year have you heard anything about this mhh for life hashtag let's ride yeah i mean i've heard some buds and rumors uh, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize um the cap savings you could have if you move on from him and you signed to a three-year, $30 million deal, his replacement. Because, Mike, what has he done since he became a Bronco? He's been your starting nose tackle. A little too aggressive as your nose tackle. A little too eager to penetrate instead of, you know, stay disciplined to his gap assignments. And that cost the Broncos in a lot of ways. When Mike Purcellzak has been on, he's been on. But he hasn't been on since right before he got the contract. Yeah. Got the contract and then got hurt, and he just hasn't been the same dude since. But it wouldn't shock me, this is a long-winded way of finally answering, if the Broncos actually hold on to him just because they don't have any D-line depth. Think about it. Draymond Jones, DJ Jones, Mike Purcell, McTelvin Ajim, Deion Sizer, Jonathan Harris. I mean, after those first three names I mentioned, you're going, who, who, who? I mean, so I think it's a position they're going to draft hard. Zach, and it maybe if they get the right combination of dudes in from the draft, he'll become more expendable. But there's a solid chance he could end up sticking around this year. Yeah, I'd like to see him get a shot in this scheme. I, I don't know how much the Fangio uh, system played to his strengths, uh, which is run stopping. I pulled up his contract on over the cap. He's you know three million base salary, four point three four seven million dollar uh, cap number. That's cheap for a starting nose tackle. Though, if the Broncos were to move on after June 1st, they would save about $3.5 million and only eat about $774,000 in dead money. So if they want to make that move, they want to clear a few pennies, he's the easy option. But it's like, is it really worth it? Are you cutting a player for the sake of cutting him, or can he help out the defense? I think he's the best run stopper, pure run stopper on the D right now, and he'll have a role under Ejiro Evero. All right. Since the first time, and by the way, shout out Elias, Robot of Doom, we didn't really know what you were saying. I'm going to read this one, okay? I feel like the Russ deal will be extremely team-friendly at the moment. I have an odd feeling that Russ might pull a Tom Brady and take less so the team can build around him with big-name players. What say you, Zach? Uh, they already have a bunch of big-name players as far as I'm concerned. I mean, just the receivers alone, then on defense, who they brought in with Randy Gregory to pair with Justin Simmons and Bradley Chubb and this and that. I could see him. I don't think he's going to bend the Broncos over a barrel and, and demand Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers money. He's not going to make it a huge national storyline, but he's going to be like, listen, guys, Derek Carr, who's in my division now, just got 42, 45 a year, whatever it is. I think at 35, I deserve to be on that level. So there's no way they're going to get out of this deal without making him part of the $40 million club. And uh, I think it'd be closer to 45 when it's all said and done. But it's how they space it out, too. Right. Andrew, may the fourth be with Broncos country. We'll be talking what happened in the draft by then. That's true. 
Ain't nothing but a G thing. Hill in the house. Thank you, bro. Very generous of you. He says, we need right tackle, edge, linebacker in that order. Russ is our QB. He's throwing bombs 70%, 75% of the time. Uh, I don't know about that. 25% not enough for Pookie and Boone. So drafting a running back high would be a wasted pick. MHH for life. Let's ride. You the man. Um, I agree that, you know, you're going to see some absolutely explosive, bombastic, baby, fantastic vertical plays made by Russell Wilson, especially to KJ Hamler and Cortland Sutton. But 75% of the time, I can promise you, G, he's not going to be throwing deep 75% of the time. But the point is not lost on us. You're saying basically is this. In a quarterback-centric offense, why go use a premium round draft pick on a running back? That's basically your takeaway. You already have a premium running back who you spent a premium pick on a year ago. I mean, there's only so many mouths to feed. So let's say you do take, I don't know, James Cook at 64 or in the third round. You have him. Are you taking Javante off the field? Are you leaving Cook on the sideline? You're you're hurting one to placate the other when there's already enough, not enough balls to go around. It's going to be a pass-first offense. That's the takeaway I got from that comment, Chad. All these receivers and Alberto at tight end and Javante, do you really need another premium running back in that type of system? He didn't cook in Seattle. For years and years and years, Russell Wilson, he didn't get the chance to throw the ball. That was probably a selling point. Come to Denver, pair with Nathaniel Hackett. We have great receivers. You're going to be allowed to cook. And I don't think handing the ball off 40 times a game is cooking for Russell Wilson anymore. Not not enough balls to go around. That sounds like a Pat Shermer, um, you know, meeting if I ever heard one. Michael Ronquillo in the house. What's going on, bro? Appreciate you. Throwing down. Go Broncos. Let's ride. Phil says, how many walk-ons have made it as a starter at running back? I think that kind of tells us not to hurry on a running back. I mean, are you talking college? Because that's where they walk on. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But the Broncos have one of the most storied histories in terms of mining phenomenal production out of undrafted and late-round dudes. I mean, even Terrell Davis was a late-round draft pick who became the starter day one of his rookie campaign that, you know, he was a unicorn. So, you, all right, you know, he's the exception to the rule. Well, no, hold on a minute. I mean, we're talking Mike Anderson, Olandis, Gary, freaking Ruben drones throwing down thousand yard seasons. And then in recent years, guys like CJ Anderson, Philip Lindsay undrafted. Your point is not lost on us. Thank you, Art. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you for the, for the uh, props, my friend across the pond. It's Marcus Lewis Henna. He says, hey, guys, uh, from Great Britain, love and respect. Great huddle, boys. Don't forget your Manic fans over here. So give all the Bronco world a shout-out and a great big hug for being the greatest fans in the NFL. Let's ride. What a sweetheart you are, dude. Much love, Marcus. And it's late, dude. Get to sleep, bro. Where you're at, it's late. Group hug time. Come on, guys. Get in here. Okay. (laughs) Hugged it out. Uh, 58 minutes. We got to go. How we sitting, Scott? We doing okay? All right, guys. Thank you so much for being with us, Zach. If you want to do the rundown, we'll uh, I'll pull up the shout outs. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us on this Wednesday, April 13th. We're back on tomorrow, same time, same place, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Until that time, follow us on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at MileHighHuddle. That's your mothership account. You're going to want to follow that for sure. And also follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself 
at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you would want some of our merch, whether it's a hat, shirt, tank top, anything, coffee mug, all right there, huddleuppod.com. Go get yourself some. And facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page. Follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football pre-save five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single freaking month. But if you can't do those things, please do these three things. It helps us out. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHA channel. It really, really helps us grow genuinely and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Amen. Appreciate you guys. Shout out to these great supporters on Facebook. Throwing down stars tonight. Andrew Lampy, Tabitha, Phil, Andrew, Art, Marcus, Cross the Pond, Jeremy, and Lawrence Rivera. And then our great Super Chat superstars, starting with Ed Keating for also gracing us with his presence on the show this evening. Tom, uh, let's see, Kevin Seven. I don't know that we got Kevin Seven. Um, yeah, real quick, Kevin Seven said, could a Broncos fan make the case that we have the best three combination of quarterbacks in the NFL, in NFL history? Russ, Manning, Elway, just thinking out loud. Very interesting. Time will tell. If Russ can bring home a world championship in Denver, Zach may be. Yeah, I, it's up there. I, I mean, the Colts came to mind. The Cowboys came to mind. But, yeah, you're talking about Elway, Peyton Manning, and Russell Wilson. If Russ wins a title, no doubt about it. RD as well in Canada thrown down early. Sorry we missed you, buddy. He says, I've rewatched a lot of games from last year. Our guards and centers seemed horrible. How much of our run game was Gordon being shockingly good with bad interior line? Eh. Yeah, I mean, I look, Melvin Gordon is a solid, oh. solid back. Give him his props. It's just a matter of value. What do you value him at? He wants more than probably what the NFL is telling him right now, Zach, he's worth. The only time I was shocked with Melvin when, he's, when he wasn't fumbling the ball. I, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't call him a shockingly good player. I think he's a solid, he's like a 7 out of 10 as a running back. And that's fine, but Javante, I think, is an 8. And they can do better with him as the full-time starter. So shout out to RD, Cody Dub, uh, Big Kid Rook, the Duchess. And 727 mil. Also, uh, Kenny Booker. Um, Yeah, that's weird. It's not showing some of them. This is bizarre the way it's ordering this. But anyway, if I didn't mention you, no, we love you. No, we appreciate you. We'll see you tomorrow night. Take care. And as always, guys, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.